Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This podcast may contain, but is not limited to, strong language, sexual content, violence, and death. This podcast may not be suitable for listeners under 18. Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Crystal. Welcome Welcome to Crime Crime Night. Tonight's episode is about the murder of Natalie Wood, born Natalia Zakarenko on July 20th of 1938 in San Francisco, California. Now her parents were actually Russian immigrants and her father was somewhat of a violent alcoholic and her mom was a strict like stage mom. She wanted her daughter to be famous. So So, she kind of pushed her career. Yep. So in 1943, Natalia was actually casted for the first time after she was actually noticed by like a film crew while they were there doing a local film shooting. So somebody noticed her and contacted them and actually hired her to have a very small like bit, I guess you could say, in the actual film that they were filming there. So they hired her like as an extra pretty much. Yep, (laughs) on the spot as an extra, exactly. (laughs) Now, after Natalia began her acting career, the studio executives changed her name to Natalie Wood. So, because it was an an easier name, I'm gathering. Yeah, it sounded more American and, you know, how Hollywood is. Yep, especially back then. Mm -hmm. Now, Natalie had a younger sister. Her name was Svetlana and she actually also became an actress and she is under the stage name of Lana Wood. So they they kept her second part of her first name. So like a, Lana, just like a yeah. nickname. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they kept them with the same last name, which was smart to do. And I know that they did name that that last name Wood was actually named after a film producer. So they did get it from somebody who was of some sort of essence to the film industry. Yeah, somebody who was known with her. A known name. Very known name. Now, Natalie was educated on the film studio lot along with other children who were actors as well. And there were actually laws that required for minors that they had to be schooled, so to speak, for a minimum of like three hours per day while on the set. So they had kind of like a private schooling, like homeschooling kind of thing going on, it seemed like. Yeah, they probably had like a designated time for all the kids on the lot to Mm -hmm. be taught. Yep, and now Natalie was a very, she was known to be a very sweet girl, and she was actually a very good student. Um, She actually was known to be a very hard worker while she was on the set. So I know it was her mom's dream for her to be this actress, but apparently she excelled in it, so she must have loved doing it as well. And she seemed like somebody who just had like a very good like work and education like ethic mm-hmm. and you know wanted and to do good in her career regardless of what it was. So Natalie had a very successful career as an actress and the age that she started at was like four or five so she was very young to start off and it actually continued into her adulthood. So the movie that she is actually well known for as a child actress was for being um, Susan on Miracle on 34th Street. Which is like a Christmas classic. Yeah, yeah very, very Christmas classic. Now, and then she starred in Rebel Without a Cause with James Dean as a teen. So her parents did not want her playing this role. So they had like a specific, I'm sure her mother. Yes. 
mostly had a specific trajectory for her and that was not how she wanted her to yep. be seen as an actress. I'm right, sure. right. She had a very structured way of raising her as a stage mom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure that that was, didn't bode quite well with the parents. So as an adult, she also started many, many movies and TV shows. Um, some of her work that she did included like West Side Story, which is a very classic, another classic movie. And then there was also Gypsy. Um, and then Splendor in the Grass and Love with a Proper Stranger. Now, Natalie actually appeared in 56 works of cinema and TV throughout her lifetime. So in 1957, the 19-year-old Natalie Wood actually married a fellow actor, Robert Wagner, who was 27 years old. So there was a little bit of an age difference, not much, but a little bit. But she also had been in her career for a long period, so I would imagine. She was probably more mature. Yeah. Now the couple actually separated a few years later, and they were actually officially divorced in 1962. So Natalie was briefly married to a producer by the name of Richard Gregson, who she had a daughter. Um, and then in 1972, she actually remarried her first husband, Robert Wagner. So Natalie and Robert actually had a daughter together and they remained married until Natalie's death. So after she had these, both of her kids, she actually kind of took a step back from acting for a while to, you know, be a mom, raise the kids, and Mm -hmm. different things like that. But then she eventually decided to go back into that industry. I mean, that's what she's done her whole life. Yeah, and I'm sure she enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, clearly she had to have enjoyed it for having stayed in the industry that long. Yeah, and being as big of a star as she was. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was, her and and Robert at that time were huge stars. They were kind of like... Yeah, she probably was at a point she didn't need to work anymore. She was working because she wanted to, not because she had to. Exactly. So Natalie and Robert actually also did own a 55-foot yacht, and its name was Splendor, which they would take trips on regularly. I mean, they they used it. So they they lived in California. They had nice weather. So you might as well use it while you can. Yeah, and it it was reported that they enjoyed being on the yacht because they're kind of like away from the paparazzi. Yes. They could be, have like a little more privacy. Mm -hmm. So Natalie and Robert actually planned a trip on their yacht the weekend after Thanksgiving. And Natalie actually invited some friends and acquaintances along, including her Brainstorm co-star, Christopher Walken. And he was actually the only one that accepted the invitation as the weather wasn't ideal for going out on a yacht. So a lot of people, you know, they didn't want to risk it. Yeah, and it's right after a holiday. I'm sure that they had plans with other stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Just bad timing. The three actors, as well as the yacht captain, Dennis Davern, set off on their trip. And on November 28th of 1981, um, Natalie, Robert, Christopher, and the captain all took the yacht dinghy, which is a small boat that you would use to get ashore from the yacht, like in areas where the water would be too shallow for the yacht to Yeah, you'd drop, your, to, you'd drop your anchor yeah. out and then just take the dinghy into the dock. He went to shore to have dinner. And so this was actually in Catalina is where they had the 
yacht trip. The manager of the restaurant did notice that the four were extremely intoxicated and to the point where he actually even asked the harbor patrol to make sure that everybody made it back to the yacht safely. Everybody did make it back and Natalie was actually the first to have gone to bed. She headed to her room around 10.45 p.m. And just after 11 o'clock, Robert entered his room and Natalie was missing. So she wasn't in their shared room. And so he went to look for her. And while, you know, they were all looking for her, they actually found that the dinghy was no longer tied to the boat. So they thought maybe, you know, she took the dinghy and went ashore by herself. So by 1.30 a.m., the yacht actually had called the shore, and by 3.30 a.m., the Coast Guard was notified, which had been hours after Natalie was missing that they were finally notified about the fact that she was missing. And around 8 a.m. is when the Sheriff's Department's helicopter actually found Natalie's body. It was located in the water only about a mile south of where they had the yacht parked. At the time of her death, she actually had a blood alcohol content of 0.14%. It was also reported that she had painkillers because she had um, taken them for a headache that she had earlier and she was taking motion sickness medication. These medications that she was on can actually increase the effects of alcohol. So it's possible that she appeared to be even drunker. So Natalie was found in her nightgown, her socks, and her coat. So not something you would wear if you're leaving the boat. Mm -mm. No, but it depends on what led up to that. Why did she leave the boat? What was going on? All yeah, but she was an actress. She was somebody that was hyper aware of, you know, how she appeared. Yeah, but it's when the middle of the somewhere. night. It's the middle of the night. Who's going to see her in the middle of the night in a dinghy boat out in the middle of nowhere? Well, if she goes to shore, somebody could see her on shore. <laughs> yeah, where was she going to be going at that time, you know? There was hotels and stuff on shore, so there's places she could go. Her injuries were actually believed to have been consistent with somebody having fallen overboard while attempting to transfer from the yacht to the dinghy. So they believed that she attempted to get on the dinghy by herself and whether she slipped because the surface was wet because it, you know, was had been raining, the weather wasn't the best, or if she, you know, didn't couldn't see because it was dark out and fell in. But either way, it was consistent with her having tried to transfer to the dinghy and fallen into the water right and the alcohol and the pills played well in that either natalie's death was considered to be a drowning accident at the time of her death now despite natalie's death being ruled as an accident many people actually believe that that's not the case they actually believe that natalie's death was not an accident so natalie actually had a lifelong fear of water and she didn't know how to swim so that 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 kind of makes me wonder why would she have gotten on that dinghy if she was afraid of water and didn't know how to swim by herself that late at night in the dark yeah so it just kind of seems like that's not something she would have done and she had the night before actually asked the captain to take her ashore 
Yeah, because she was so, afraid to go by herself. Yeah, so she would have. She clearly didn't have a problem with asking someone to take her ashore. So could have clearly had somebody take her right. if she wanted. Right now, her fear from the water actually stemmed from a fortune teller and her mother. Her mother went to a fortune teller that stated that she was going to have a daughter that should be aware of dark waters. Yeah, so the mom kind of like pushed fear onto her from like a child, and I'm sure she didn't do it on purpose. She was just trying to make sure her daughter was cautious. I'm sure, but. When you're anxious about something, you push that onto your children, too. Now, Neely would never have gotten on that dinghy alone. At least, that's my thought. And I'm sure, like you said, she had no problem asking anybody earlier. So, I'm sure she would not have hesitated to ask the captain to take her ashore. Yeah. Like she had done previously, as you said. Yeah. So, yeah, it just, some things just don't add up. Now, Christopher Watkins actually cooperated with the authorities, and he had not talked too much about the incident. So, like, when he was asked questions, like, yeah. in interviews and stuff, he kind of didn't really talk about it too much. He said, like, yeah. a few things, but not much. No, no, and I don't blame him one bit. I mean, first of all, if they're interviewing him, that's not what they're interviewing him for, number one. Number two... This is something that happened to him Yeah, I'm personally. sure it was traumatic. Yes. So Christopher actually insinuated that he believed that Natalie slipped on the deck and fell in as the deck was actually slippery. Yeah, at one point I know that Natalie may have like heard the dinghy bumping against the boat and gone out there to tie it, which I think would be more likely. Exactly. If she had a headache, that, that probably was extra annoying. So she probably just got out, threw a coat on, and went out there yes. to tie the dinghy. So now years after the incident, Robert wrote a memoir where he actually mentioned that an argument had ensued. And the argument actually happened due to Robert's jealousy. So, so he was known to be jealous of Natalie and other men. Yeah. Natalie's sister, Lana, believed that Natalie's death wasn't an accident either and that Robert may have had something to do with it. However, Natalie's eldest daughter did not believe that her stepfather would actually hurt her mom. In 2011, Captain Davern and more than 700 others petitioned to have Natalie's case reopened. On November 17th of 2011, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department reopened its initial investigation into Natalie's death after they received additional information from unidentified sources. So the sources may have been witnesses from a nearby boat that had heard a woman screaming on the night of the incident. However, the screaming could not have been proven to have come from Natalie. So there's no way that they can prove where that came yeah. from. It could have came from the shore even. Yeah, and there were reports that there was also possibly a party going on on another ship too, so it could have even come yeah. from there. And like, that could be anything. It could even be like a animal. Right, that they may have mistaken for um, what sounded like a person. Yeah. On November 18th of 2011, Captain Darwin stated in an interview with NBC's Today that he had actually lied about Natalie's death, stating that Robert may have been responsible for Natalie's death. So he waited until, you know, several years later to even... Make, no, make mention of it. Although we have to take it with like a grain of salt because if he didn't mention it at first, right. and now he's mentioning it now, which one is the truth? Right, and why would it have took him this long to come for it? I mean, yes. granted, Robert could have said, hey, if you 
rat me out, we're going to do this or that, or, yeah. you know, we could have threatened yeah. them. Yeah, there could have been a reason. And I'm sure, you know, the police would look into that and right. whatnot, but they're not going to tell the public anything about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So whether, you know, this story is credible or the other story is credible, we're not going right. to know. The only person that would know is the people that were there that mm-hmm. when it happened. In 2012, Natalie's cause of death was formally changed to drowning and other undetermined facts. In April 2015, RaiderOnline.com obtained an apparent letter from Lana to Christopher asking that he reveals the supposed truth behind Natalie's death. They can't really probably prove that it actually was her or not. It just supposedly is this letter from right. her. Right, right. There's, there's a lot of, lot of stuff in this incident that is a lot of hearsay, a lot of finger pointing and stuff like that that nothing nothing can really be proven at this at this point at this stage in in time yeah so the only person that would know is natalie and anyone who may have been with her that night you can't count on somebody who had been drinking to come up with the exact story or Mm -hmm. tell you it 20 years later on this this is exactly what happened you can't you can't count it's not credible i don't think so in 2018 natalie's death was actually reclassified as being a suspicious death so now for the third time it had been changed so probably because they have enough doubt and can't say a hundred percent sure how it happened exactly in in february of 2018 robert was actually named a person of interest and he had actually since been cleared so he's not considered a person of interest at this time any longer so, and he actually denies any involvement in Natalie's death. So, Natalie's final film, Brainstorm, was actually released after her death. And the film actually used stand-ins and sound-alikes for some of the shots that she was supposed to be in. And other scenes actually required her character to be written out entirely um, mm-hmm. because they couldn't film those scenes, obviously. And on February 1st of 1986, Natalie actually received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And I did some research on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and some, and some of the interesting facts are that there is a $250 application and a $50,000 sponsorship upon selection, which is actually used to pay for the creation and installation of that star, as well as the maintenance of the Walk of Fame. However, like everything else, that price is subject to change. So I thought that that was kind of a a hefty chunk of money. Thank you for listening to Crime Night. We release new episodes every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. You can find a link to our sources in the episode description. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube under Crime Night Podcast. Good Good night. night!